I'm always seeking forward-looking metrics. We have plenty of rear-view metrics, but I, you know, what data can we monitor that helps us predict the future and take effective actions that allow us to achieve our short-term and long-term goals? Welcome to the Strong in Six podcast. Are you feeling stuck in your business? Every growing business hits the ceiling at some point. Getting stronger in the six key components of a successful business will help you break through. I'm Sue Hawks, and I started my first company in fifth grade, and that might not matter to some of you, but it just tells you you're born an entrepreneur. It's not always pretty, but it does make you have a certain way of operating in the world. So I want you to know I'm not afraid to ask the goofy questions, the hard questions, because when you start out selling door-to-door with macrame plant hangers, you have a little different kind of view on the world. You've just heard from Jim McCoola, Vice President of Off-Road Hospitality. Okay, tracking data is one of the single most clarifying things you can do in your company. It's not the sexiest and it's not the easiest. It's hard to track because it's a trial and error mechanism and no two companies have the exact same scorecard, even if they're in the same industry. I'm gonna give a call to Rick Nordvold, founder and CEO of Growth Operators to learn more. Hello, Rick. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Rick and I are talking about scorecards, and in case you don't know what they are or you haven't used one before, they're key performance indicators, KPIs, or a dashboard of numbers that let you know if you're winning or losing the game, much like people use a scoreboard in a sporting event so you know which team's ahead in a really tight game. I want to talk about scorecard and data, if you can believe that. This is my question for you. You and your team work through the process of creating both your own scorecard and perfecting measurables, but help others as well. Can you tell me about your journey, what you've learned, any aha moments, things like that, please? You know, (laughs) we're in the business of putting scorecards together for our clients, but you know, even so, we're constantly learning. And we learned a lot putting ours together, believe it or not. You'd think, you know, you'd think we were experts, but experts are those that know more than most. They're not those that know everything. So we learned a lot about our own business with the scorecard. This is always going to be hard, but we want to make it as uncomplicated as possible. So we just wanted to make sure that we had, you know, a scorecard that was the right amount of information, right? I mean, it's like a dashboard, you know? I mean, you can look at a dashboard and see that the car is functioning perfectly well, even without having to know the million things that are happening in the engine. I mean, all you need to know is a few things. And so with our business, that's what we did. You know, we need to know at any given point in time, you know, the most important thing is how many clients need our services at any given point in time and how many people do we have on our team that can provide those services. And on the flip side, where I think we we learned the most was just in figuring out demand side of our business. I mean, what I just talked about is, you know, our our people, that's the supply side of our business. It's the capacity to serve clients. Uh, You know, our machinery is our people and their brains. The demand side is how many clients are we serving right now? How much of our people's time does it demand and how much capacity do we have to take on new clients? 
And we know that number, but then we just had to think about what are the activities that we need to do that people on our team need to do in order to create more demand. Building your scorecard is the first step for you to really get crystal clear on what are the resources you have so as business gets busier or slows down, you have the levers to start to make adjustments and stay profitable. So Rick's example using supply and demand helps us clarify if you have a service business, how people's time is your inventory, just like a manufacturing company would have widgets or things they produce based on their client's need. Really important to get your arms around that kind of utilization so that you can scale as your business gets busier or slower. Building a scorecard helps you manage to that and make adjustments real time ahead of time before there's a problem. So really, I guess to summarize it also, it was just, it was a great opportunity for us to really just, you know, sit back again and think about what really drives our business. And if it does, it should be on the scorecard as a metric or a number. It's just measure the important stuff because the things that get measured get done. Yeah, no kidding. So two quick questions. You know, I think you identified a couple of things that I see people look at which is how do you simplify? You talked specifically about, you know, how do you make it simple? Because I think a lot of people try and boil the ocean. They try and get all things. How did you really do that in that weekly activity basis sort of number? Because that that combo can be hard. Uh, Yeah, you know, if you keep asking why, you know, you want to get down to the activity that somebody can do or not do on any given day that's going to create the result. And you have to get to that level because then you just, I mean, any business, no matter how complicated it might seem, at the end of the day, there's there's probably just a handful of things that people need to do well. What are the activities that are critical that, you know, people either are or aren't doing? And if they are, great. If they're not, put it on the issues list. But, you know, we even cascade that down into, into departments too. But, you know, it's just it, when you when you when you take the time to have a conversation about it and really debate, kind of using that identify, discuss, you know, solve kind of model, you really end up with, well, these are the things that really drive our business and we'll just put a scorecard together to figure out whether they're happening or not. I love that. How many iterations did you guys go through to, have you landed on your final or the final for now? And how long did it take? It's final for now. I, mean, I think it'll always be final <laughs> for now, too, because, I don't know, I mean, you know, I, we haven't stopped getting smarter, <laughs> you know, and as, as we learn more, we might look at it and say, why did we measure that when we should have been measuring this? So asking why can seem really mundane and really repetitive, but if you think about the question why, it's really more about for what purpose, which gets you to the root causes of what drives your business. And what's great about this is when you get the right numbers for those key positions on your leadership team and then throughout your company, it really truly helps you identify where, again, you have the opportunity to get ahead of issues before they become problems. When we started out, we only had a handful of us in the company and, you know, all of us were sort of, you know, generalists in a way. But now as we've evolved and we have, you know, 60 people on our team, 
I would say what's changed is that we've really identified what individual departments can do and need to do well. And so clarity exists kind of from top down. We, we just really feel like everything from, from the scorecards that we look at, at at an executive level to the scorecards that people at the department level are looking at to drive behavior. There's a lot of clarity in, you know, why we need to do that stuff. And there's just a lot of, uh, you know, the, the interrelationships between those become more, more evident and important. I mean, you know, you can't win as a team if everybody's not performing. So it just helps us really understand, you know, how to get everybody rowing in the same direction and what everybody's role is in getting us to that destination we're seeking, whatever that might be, that goal. No, I love your talking about how it clarifies things. And as the business grows, it does evolve. I think that's so powerful. When you think about what has the scorecard done for the employees, when you think about your teams, because you have it really firmly locked at a company level, then team level, but then there's individual measurables. What's happened for the team as a result of, you know, continuing to simplify this as you become more specialized in time? Well, I think two things, really. I mean, one, it it just provides much more clarity to them on what they need to be doing. And the second thing it does is I think it creates motivation. I think, I think people are truly motivated when they, when they truly believe they're doing something that makes a difference, you know, they, they kind of throw their heart and soul into it. And, you know, being able to look at it on a, on a daily basis and, you know, kind of baby steps towards a broader goal. I mean, it allows, it, it gives them a lot of motivation to just, you know, stick with it, you know, because it's just, you don't succeed or fail as a business in a day, you succeed or fail over a career. And it just provides them that much more motivation to just keep after it. Data is way more than just hard numbers. If we get too data driven, we drown in it. What it really does is help you link your short term to your long term, because if your long term vision has numbers in it, it gives you clarity today for you, your leaders and your employees to really know what they're driving toward in the most simple, efficient way possible. It gives them peace. It's almost a feeling of relief because now you know, man, we're just going to have that much more clarity in how our business is running. I mean, imagine if on the dashboard of your car, you didn't have a gas gauge and you had to wonder, you know, any given point in time, you know, when was the last time I filled up with gas? And I'm going to, you know, am I going to run out of gas? All you need to know is, am I getting close to empty or not? And uh, to have that on the dashboard creates so much peace of mind, you don't worry about it. And the less you worry about it, the more you can spend your time really just, you know, tackling issues and moving the business forward. A lot of people get stuck trying to get started on a scorecard. And normally it's because you're trying to do it perfectly. In this case, perfect's the enemy of done. You have got to just throw stuff against the wall and see if it works. It is a trial and error document. So don't let perfect stop you. Start, just begin. You really truly have to get a rough draft. Think of the positions in your company, pick some numbers, see if they work. If not, edit, edit, edit till you love it. Like Rick, begin and let it lead you to the gold. We're our own biggest fans and our own worst enemy at the same time. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're pretty proud of what we've accomplished as a company, but you know, we've been at this 12 years. We want to be at it for a hundred as time goes on. It's, it's going to be better than it is today. And, and you look at it that way, but just don't be intimidated into not doing it by, by trying to overthink it. 
You know, I mean, just the simpler, the better. I mean, if you think about if all you did was sit, sat down and had your executive team write a list of five things that, you know, would be really important that day in order for the company to have a good day as a company and compare those lists and see if there's overlap. And if there's overlap, figure out a way to measure, you know, start there. I'm not worried about how our business is doing because all I had to do is pop up our scorecard this morning. It's Monday. I'm not working today, but 30 second review of the scorecard and I'm fully relaxed knowing that, (laughs) you know, the the machine is running well and I can just enjoy my uh, time with my wife in uh, Bryce National Park today. So I hope that we've catalyzed your interest on data because it's the single thing that when you focus on it creates clarity and peace for you and your employees to really see the impact you can have by managing to numbers. Now we're going to call Casey Brown. She's the president of Boost Profits. Casey is the person I would go to if I had any questions around sales and pricing numbers to start at the top of your funnel and really get your sales to increase. Sue. Casey, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I am well. You're sounding very zen today. It's been a good day. So after Casey and I talked for a bit, I asked her, how does she find the right numbers, the right data to track as you're going into scorecard numbers? The idea of the data component is to identify a handful of objective numbers that give us a pulse. And why data is so important is we know that what gets measured gets done. Data has to tie back to our VTO. It has Mm -hmm. to, you know, track to our three-year picture and our one-year plan should tie to our goals, but can't be overly subjective. Um, So, you know, that really means understanding the why behind KPIs. Business goals need to lead to performance goals that turn into, you know, leading measurables. You know, we need to know what we want to have happen, why it matters. We need to know, you know, if we can influence that outcome and and who's responsible to indicate it or to um, to influence it. I think the you know one of the most important things of of all of that is really in doing a little more digging on the obvious metrics to figure out what drives those metrics and measuring those things. That gives us information about our likelihood of achieving our goal in the future. It's more of a predictor of what's to come instead of just looking in the rearview mirror. And so we've really got to understand what do we want to accomplish? Why do we want to accomplish it? And what is going to lead us to accomplishing it? I think it would behoove any company operating on EOS to go back to their VTO, look at that three-year picture, look at that one-year plan, and, and understand what is happening today that will either lead you to being able to achieve those things or not. If you do not have metrics around those things, then, then you're in real danger of, of not hitting those, those targets because no one's minding the store. So for those of you who may not be familiar, Casey used the term VTO a couple of times. The VTO is your vision traction organizer. And in EOS terms, it's that one page document that keeps you clear on where you're going and how you're gonna get there. And you cascade it throughout your organization, simplifying the vision and the path there for your entire organization. 
I want to be really clear. We want to help you get unstuck about getting it perfect. So I've watched people literally get landlocked because they try and think their way to a perfect scorecard versus mm -hmm. the trial and error that's so critical. The second part of that is what issues happen? What do you see when people don't track the correct data? I want to uh, circle back on that question in just a second, but I want to put an exclamation point on something you said around people sort of getting landlocked, trying to think their way to the perfect scorecard. I am a big fan of the Jim Collins quote, bullets before cannons. <laughs> it's just like we can take a long time to, try, you know, we overkill it. We have 200 different metrics because all of these things are important. The, the, the issue there is if everything's important, nothing is, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I, I'm a big fan, and, and this is not only for data, but for everything, for setting a strategy, for, you know, training your team, for anything that you're after doing, you know, a bad first draft and get started. Right. Because, you know, most, uh, certainly this is true for most of the business leaders I've met from companies running on EOS. Their bad first draft is a pretty darn good draft. Mm -hmm. It's pretty, you know, it's, it's probably... B plus, you know, and so could we spend another day, week, month, year refining the, uh, the, that to get it to an A? Yes. Is that worth it? Um, sometimes it is, it depends on the magnitude of the importance of the, of the effort. But I think when it comes to scorecards and I'll just speak for our company, you know, as an example, our scorecard today does not look like the first scorecard we put together and we've been operating on EOS for, you know, less than two years total. So you learn, right. And right. I think what we thought was important, um, some of those, many of those metrics remain, but some things have fallen off and other new ones have come on. And that has to do with our sort of maturation into EOS and using these tools, but also changing conditions, growing team, different economic climate, um, different different solutions that we now offer that really drive different kinds of metrics. So I, I just think I would absolutely say it's it's more important to get started and learn from it and then and then revise. So in case you haven't heard the message, it does not need to be perfect. Your scorecard can and in fact needs to change and be edited over time. When you think about your scorecard, you want to begin with the end in mind, looking at where you want to land and work backward as a framework to get there. So if I need to sell $3 million this year, how many meetings do I have to have every week with a new prospect? I can't mm -hmm. know if I'm going to hit my number unless I've done some of that analysis to work back to how many meetings do I need to have? And then am I doing them uh, effectively? Because if my win rate starts to fall off, guess what? I need more meetings. Right. If my win rate is falling off, is that what, why? Is something happening in the marketplace? Is something happening with my skill? Like when it comes to sales, there's only two reasons people don't sell enough. Either they're not doing enough of the right stuff or they're not doing it very effectively. If we're only tracking sales, if the market starts to contract and, and economics, you know, the economic slowdown is starting to happen and, and people are buying less, we, you know, depending on the length of our sales cycle, we might not see that in our numbers and our sales numbers for six months, you know, six months, yeah. could be two years, could be a month. And so by then now you've got, you know, you're six months late on adjusting your strategy. Whereas if, if all of a sudden your, you know, your ability to get enough first meetings on the calendar is starting to be a lot more difficult, that could be an, it's sort of an early warning system that the winds of change are happening. And those winds of change again, can be external, but they could be internal as well. It can give you the, the sort of symptom that something is wrong. And then you go root for the root cause. Right. And you do that early enough 
that you're able to really get your you know course corrected as quickly as possible. Simply put and spot on, good enough is better than not any. That's right. If I would summarize everything we said down to two key points, it's get started with good enough metrics mm-hmm. and refine as you go. Yep. And number two, try to push forward in your process to more leading indicators and 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 ask yourself this is a exercise i like doing when we're you know talking to clients about about their sales data okay or you know so and what drives that well what drives that is how many you know uh projects we create okay and what drives that well that depends on how many you know clients mm-hmm. we're working with and what drives that and what drives that and what drives that and before you know it you've identified you know 10 different metrics that are candidates for your scorecard that really will tell you if you're going to hit the goal you want to hit and you shouldn't choose all 10 choose the you know one or two that are most most relevant and most predictive and and also again easiest to track because again you know the best number in the world that we can't get is useless (laughs) amen amen yeah right let's get one that we can measure that we can track that doesn't introduce undue complexity that gives us a really strong leading understanding of where we're going to end up Okay, to summarize, start, begin. Don't let perfect be the enemy of done. We want you to start tracking data because when you start knowing your numbers, you will start to have greater clarity on what and where to change your behaviors, to get in touch with those weekly activities that really drive profit, that really drive progress. Start, get some numbers on paper, know that this is trial and error, and really truly edit at will. It's gonna take three to six months, so calm your your nerves a bit because it can be hairy. You're not gonna get it right the first time. I don't want you to get stuck thinking that thinking your way there will get you there. It won't. You got to do it and you got to edit whatever you need to. It'll lead to clarity, focus, and profitability. The greatest challenge you'll have is starting, but you'll thank me in the end. Thank you, Jim, for the great question. Thanks to Rick and Casey for sharing their wisdom with us. Thank you for listening. I know you're anxious to get going. You can learn more at eosworldwide.com. And please remember, keep kicking butt and taking names. Your EOS life is awaiting. Strong in Six Data Week is powered by the 2023 U.S. EOS Conference. Join the EOS community in Indianapolis on April 19th through 21st, 2023. You'll accelerate your journey to EOS mastery and living your EOS life. Register today at eosconference.com.